You're listening to the teaching podcast of Crossridge Women's Studies. In our intro night, we discuss the way Psalms 1 and 2 serve as an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. They reveal the theme of the book and the collection itself, that there are two ways to live, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous leads to flourishing and is found through having a covenant relationship with God the Creator. This way of the righteous that leads into relationship with God, it passes through two pillars, God's law or instruction and God's king. These are two themes we'll see throughout all of the Psalms we study. Psalm 1 calls to mind this picture of a garden with its central image of a flourishing and fruitful tree. Sounds a lot like Genesis, doesn't it? And it says that this flourishing, happy life comes to those who delight in or love God's law. Psalm 2 shows us a picture of God's king. It's a bit unsettling because we see the Lord laughing at those who stand against him. And we hear about his dreadful wrath against wickedness. But in it all is very good news. You see, God is unfazed by the wicked, and his justice and rule will ultimately prevail. The last verse of Psalm 2 echoes the first line of Psalm 1. Blessed or happy are those who take refuge in God himself, both his king and his law. So listen along as we give an overview of book one of the Psalms, chapters 3 to 41. Psalm 41. Okay, so in your uh, study guide, on page 9, it says book 1, Psalm 3 to 41. So I'm going to give you some information. You can write down anything you want to write. And this is going to help you in what you study. So sometimes in the past, we've come to Bible study, you've studied a bunch of stuff, then you come here, and then I tell you, here's what you should have saw at the end of it, right? I don't intend to do that, but it sort of seems like that sometimes. This time, I'm going to pre-teach. So I'm going to say, here's what you're going to, this is going to help you. And then you're going to go in, you're going to spend your two weeks in those Psalms, and you're going to have some background that kind of stays underneath you. It's like sort of what you stand in while you're looking um, at those two Psalms. Okay, so let's talk a bit about book one of the Psalms, a few things. Okay, Um, I have to turn the page here. Here we go. First of all, the overarching theme is, in a word, confrontation. Okay, book one is about confrontation. There is constant confrontation. And it's kind of interesting because at the very end, we heard Heather say at the very end of the first verse of chapter one of Psalm says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And then the very last verse of chapter two says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Okay. There's, there's this idea of the blessed life or the happy life or the flourishing life. And what Psalm 1 and 2 tell us is that there's two groups of people. We can easily call them the wicked and the righteous. Okay. We see the righteous love God's law and the wicked, like they say, let us throw off these chains. We don't want, we don't want him in our life. So there's constant confrontation 
because of these two groups of people. And actually, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? God said there is going to be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. In Genesis 3, that conflict between good and evil began. And from there on out, people had the opportunity. Are they going to choose God's law and God's king? Or are they going to choose for themselves and try to throw off his, his good, um, his instruction and his heart? So uh, the Hebrew root word for the wicked and the righteous, we see those words about 50 times in the book of Psalms. And half of that, 25 times, it's in book one. So it's just in these ver in these chapters, 3 to 41. It's so much about the wicked and the righteous, these two groups and the conflict between them. Who wrote, who wrote most of these psalms? Most of them are written by David. You'll see that, except for two. 10 and 33, there's no title, so we don't know. I guess it could have been David, um, but it doesn't say. Uh, and it makes sense for David because he was actually the anointed king. And um, David received the covenant promise of this, you know, that he was going to have a dynasty and there was going to be this way that God dwelled forever with his people. And also David knew firsthand of conflict, did he not? He's the king, he's the anointed king, and yet did people like that? No, remember when we studied Samuel? Like everybody was fighting with him. Not just all the nations, but look at Psalm 3. Do you have your Bible open or something or your book? What is, what is the title of Psalm 3? Someone read it. What? Yes. When he fled from Absalom, his son. So the conflict against David was like right down to family, his own son. Go to the very last book. So that's how it starts. It's like there's conflict right down to your family. Now go to Psalm 41. Someone read the title to Psalm 41. How does the book, book one, end? Oh, it, it's, maybe it's not. It's not in the ESV. Does someone else have it? The ESV doesn't have the title. But um, this psalm, some of them, I wonder if the CSB does. It says when... Uh, a psalm about being betrayed by a close friend. If you look at verse 9, it says something about, like, I was betrayed, by a clo even my close friend in whom I trusted. Okay? So David, yeah. So that's how the book starts and it ends, about there is conflict there. And the truth is the people of God are caught in this conflict between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Right? There is conflict there. Ultimately, there is victory. And that is also laced throughout all of these verses. Um, there's a timeless truth of the Psalms, and it, I'm, I can sum it up this way. It says this, as it fares with the Messianic king, so that's David, so it will fare with each member of the Messianic kingdom. So what's that saying is that as it goes for David, God's anointed king, it will go with his people, right? There is going to be conflict, ultimate victory, but conflict along the way. Uh, two more things 
you should know about book one before we go into it over the next two weeks. There is two um, chapters that are really sort of pivotal and key in book one in this whole theme of the confrontation and also the law and the king. So, and that is chapter 18 and chapter 19. They sort of divide book one in half. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting pairing that you'll see throughout the whole Psalms. It is pairing together a king Psalm or a messianic Psalm and a Psalm about the Torah or the law. So 18, Psalm 18 is about the king. 19 is about the law. We saw it actually in our introduction. Psalm 1 was about the law. Psalm 2 was about the king. We'll see it again in the very last book. Messianic and a Torah psalm or a law psalm. Yeah. We see it again in the last book of Psalms. It's 118 and 119. They're put right side by side. A psalm about the king and a psalm about the law. Okay. Uh, so a few things about Psalm 18. We're not going to be studying it this week, but it's I, I want to tell you about it because it's going to help you understand the psalm we are going to study. So Psalm 18 is almost word for word 2 Samuel 22. David wrote it when God gave him victory over all his enemies and even over Saul. So this is the point where David is like, finally, I am the king. I have no more enemies. I'm sitting on the throne. The Bible could have ended right? That is where it could have been over. God's promise was fulfilled in his anointed king, okay? Um, in that Psalm 18, it is the first time we see reference to the king and to the Messiah since this Psalm we just did tonight. So from two, there's nothing about the Messiah. There's just a lot of lament and conflict and trouble. And then all of a sudden we get 18 and the king is back and there's a change. In fact, right after Psalm 18, there are five psalms that are called kingship psalms. Five psalms just like celebrating the king. Um, after, and it's kind of after 19 too. So 20, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. Okay. So isn't that interesting? Psalm 23. Have you ever thought of that as a psalm about the king? Probably not. But it actually is. It's a psalm about the kind of king that Yahweh is to his people. He's a shepherd king. So if you have time and you want to read it this week, go back and think of that um, as, a, as a king psalm. So right in the center is the psalm I'm going to send you, one of the psalms you're going to do over the next two weeks. It's Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is kind of famous. You've heard the very first verse many times probably. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first line of Psalm 22. So that's one of the psalms we're going to study this week. It is an interesting kingship psalm because it contains, it sort of brings together the idea of the messianic king, which is like, like David's line, but also the Lord God himself as king. Okay, and these are the two sort of facets of of kingship that are in the psalm. So when you read Psalm 22, one of the things to pay attention to is where is it talking about King David? And then where is it talking about God being the king? How does it bring those two things together? 
And then the other psalm, so that's 22. But first, we're going to do Psalm 19. So I said Psalm 18 and Psalm 19 are this interesting division. So since Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, there's no talk about the king. And then all of a sudden, boom, Psalm 18. And then, oh, the king's back. Okay. And it's much more positive. The psalms after that are like more towards victory than the lament. And also, after Psalm 1, we don't see any reference to God's law for a really long time until Psalm 19. And then all of a sudden the words like the God's instruction, God's teaching, God's law, then that starts to come back. So in those first 17 verses of Psalms, you see just the like sort of, it's, it's a lot of lament and it's complaining about all the conflict and it's just sort of the real nastiness of living in this world that is, is laced with conflict like that. Uh, lastly, I just want to say, just as you think about what it all, both of those Psalms that you're going to study this week, first Psalm 19 this week, and then next week, Psalm 22, I always want us to think about where do we live in this narrative? And I think mom, you already said it, like we're here, we're in that conflict right now, aren't we? Between like the wicked and the righteous and God as king and a world who just wants to throw off his fetters and, and what they consider to be his chains of bondage. That's, that's where we live. Um, we live in the midst of a battle. It's ancient. It's from Genesis 3. Enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the man. But the Psalms tell us, actually, that as God's people, we can be confident. Because the end is written. And it does end in victory. And Martin Luther once said that the, the arc, the arc of uh, the world is long, but it bends towards justice. And so that means it, what he was just saying is that it takes, it feels like forever, like when are we going to see victory? But just know it might feel long, but it, oh, it will, it does bend towards justice and righteousness and the victory of God in the end. But also something that I think is really important is this theme of God as a refuge. And it starts now in book one, and it will continue through the entire um, collection of the Psalms, that we have a refuge in the midst of this confrontation. That's what God is for us. He is a refuge and a rock. He is a safe place. He's a shelter. Well, because we are, and you'll see if you read in Psalm book one, David is adversely affected by this conflict between good and evil that is going on. You and I are adversely affected every day by this conflict that is going on in the world in reality between good and evil, between God and the enemy, right? Between the wicked and the righteous. It's, it is real in you. So as you read, you can take comfort and you can take refuge knowing that God is the king and that there is ultimate victory. Uh, this, I think this refuge picture, finally, I'm just going to say this, that is really important for us in this season because this is a time in our life. Here's real practical application where everyone in the world is looking for safety. I talked to the leaders about this on the weekend. We all want safety. Okay. Some of us want safety from COVID-19, from being sick. Some of us want safety from a government that is taking away our freedom. 
but we both ultimately want the same thing. You can find yourself in a very different place, and yet both of these positions want safety. The Psalms tell us that safety comes from God. He is our refuge. And we were praying about this because we came together and we said like, okay, the government says we can come, we can meet, we can do this. Some people are nervous about it. How do we begin to do this again when our brothers and sisters are on these two sides? The people we sit with uh, in church and at study that are in our community groups are on different sides of this issue. How do we come together? And one of the most beautiful things is that the church, the body of Christ, is one unique place in all of history and anywhere that actually the two can become one. Unity in spite of differences. It started that way, right? Jews and Gentiles. Circumcised, uncircumcised, and everybody came to the Lord's table. Why? Because they were there because of Jesus. And we are here, we come together because of God, our refuge. So if you need safety, whatever that is from, this week consider how is this king and how is his beautiful law your refuge? And go to him. Find your refuge in him and in nothing else because nothing else will suffice as a refuge. But then also just know that all your brothers and sisters can, are also finding their refuge in him right beside you, shoulder to shoulder. Both sides find refuge in God. As you are, are studying this week, as you are dealing with some of the conflict going on in our world, would you just consider, as you're studying Psalm 19, Psalm 22, how is it telling you that God is your refuge? And what do you need to do? Maybe what changes do you need to make? Maybe you're seeking refuge elsewhere. But where is it you need to turn to him to be your safety and your refuge? Uh, we're just going to end tonight. I'm going to uh, pray for you quick, and then um, I'm just going to ask your group leaders to just pray for you. They've heard a bit about you tonight, so they're going to pray for you. They'll be praying for you over the next two weeks, and I think you'll be praying for each other too. Um, I will be in contact by email because, um, yeah, we sort of do this on our own now. We go out and study independently, but you won't be alone. You can always email me, carolyn at crossridge.church, but I will also be sending you emails, and I'll also be asking you to... Um, Get the Church Center app because we'll be putting everything through on that. So you'll get more information about that in your inbox. But let me pray for you right now. And then would you just take a few minutes to pray um, together with each other? And then you're free to go or you're free to hang out if you're waiting for youth kids, whatever. But let's just pray. Lord God, we recognize that you are our refuge, an ever-present help in trouble. And uh, all of us, God, need safety. And regardless of what that looks like, the, the need is the same and the answer is the same. You, you are safety. You are the refuge beyond whatever we can do or we want other people to do for us. 
God, lift our eyes, would you? Even just as we come together around our tables on Wednesday nights, as we um, sit here together under the Psalms, this beautiful teaching, this poetry about your, your law, your heart, and your king, um, just help us to remember that we come to you for refuge and we all have that in common. God, I thank you for these ladies. I thank you that they, um, they sacrifice a lot to come here tonight. And maybe it was just a, a feeling of not wanting to, to leave home or tiredness or a busy day or just conflict. Actually, lots of us were involved in conflict and confrontation. God, would you um, grow in us delight for your heart, for your instruction, for your word um, that teaches us a new way to, to deal with conflict and confrontation. God, would you give us a love and a delight for your king, the anointed Jesus Christ, who is our king, a good king, a shepherd king. Um, and would you, would you help us as we are in the Psalms this week to submit to your word in a way that it shapes uh, not just our thinking, but also our hearts and how we feel and our emotions, even in the midst of this conflict that we find ourselves in. We praise you because you are victorious. We come to you now and we pay homage to the king. We believe you are good and we, we want to um, just direct others to you and, and to worship you. We ask you to, um, yeah, just open our eyes to see all the things that you have for us by your spirit. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we thank you.